another episode of the In Real Deep podcast. I'm your host, Steve Semino, senior writer at InRealDeep.com, and with me, as always, is executive editor Andrew Johnson. Hello, Andrew. Howdy, cocksuckers. Hey, you're right. <laughs> we had an off-mic conversation about if we were going to say cocksucker, and then Andrew made the executive decision as the executive uh, yeah. editor. Yeah. <laughs> Just throw yes. right to it. So this is this will be a little blue episode. This will be if there's kids in the room, <laughs> send them away, put put them to bed, tuck them in a closet or some safe space because what? we're gonna be saying words. It will be marked explicit on your podcast. I don't usually app mark them choice. explicit, but I think I probably should mark this one just to be safe. Yeah, 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 yeah. It'll be more explicit than the others for sure. And I'll have to wait till she's older to listen to this one. Yeah, but when she and when your daughter is of age, I think you know. I don't know what the age might be. You're the father. You can decide. You and your wife. But six. I think, yeah, I think when she turns of age, I think you should power her through this series and then this movie that we're going to talk about today and i think her life will be much richer for it yeah i mean i i don't know if i can wait that long to rewatch the series but yeah <laughs> so if you hadn't guessed by our andrew's curse word and the name of the title and just what is happening recently in entertainment we're here to talk about deadwood the movie it was it's maybe the most improbable of all of these remakes updates re-releases i don't think either of us really thought this was going to happen but it's here it aired on hbo on friday it's available for the end of time or at least as long as hbo exists for your viewing pleasure and we'll obviously get into it in detail after our next segment but uh i i think it was a treat and i'm really excited that we get to come together and talk about it as as sweet as a can of peaches i would say <laughs> with some cinnamon on top of course yeah, of course of course <laughs> All right, before we get that far, Andrew, let's do our beverage of choice segments. I am enjoying a nice glass of Woodford Reserve on the rocks. Very I nice. Bought a big old bottle of it for last week's. I watched the Deadwood movie twice, and by the end of the weekend, it was it's pretty much gone. And this is the <laughs> final the final tidbits of it are left. So that bottle served us very well. I had several friends over. It wasn't just me, but we did go through it very quickly, and I definitely played a large, proud part in in shipping away gonna say you guys are basically teetotalers if you didn't finish it like the <laughs> night you watched it so that's right yeah well i would be drinking buffalo trace but i, I find it hard to find that that bourbon around here so i, I have to i have to save it but i, I am drinking a, a beer that feels like it could be uh you know on tap at the gem saloon in the late 19th century and that's a, an anchor steam beer I'm pretty sure it's been being, been made since like the 1800s. Um, although I guess transporting it from San Francisco to South Dakota might leave it worse for the wear. Um, but that's <laughs> that's what I'm consuming. There you go. That's good. Welcome back to that segment. Welcome back to all of our fans who are still with us, and thank you for joining us. And we are here to talk Deadwood. Andrew, what were your thoughts? I know you're a big Deadwood fan. It was very. We're both huge Deadwood fans. What were your? And I think you can't uh, see this movie or talk about this movie and without the backstory, without the context, without yeah. the excitement around it, the improbability of it existing. What were your thoughts going into the movie? Excitement, uh, apprehension. You know, were, were you nervous? They would they be able to pick up the where they left off? Well, basically, where were you at as you sat down to watch it? I don't. Uh, mostly just gratitude honestly because <laughs> like i just like you said it's so improbable that this thing even existed um and honestly like looking back on it it feels like almost a miracle that deadwood itself 
existed like <laughs> and was and got three seasons on the air it's such a strange show i mean like in setup it obviously is like a western basically um but it's so unusual even within that genre and also western westerns you know i don't know i, wa- I watched another western called um hell on wheels on amc which is just it's much more of like that serial like the serial nature you know so and and you know the the protagonist is like you know he's just a one dimension everyone's one dimensional you know yep um and those genre picks like have their or shows or whatever have their place but like deadwood is so special and like honestly i think it's so special to me that i've actually like before i after I watched the movie, I kind of started to realize that I, I think I like compartmentalize the existence of Deadwood. Like I actually don't often think of it in like my favorite shows of all time for some reason, which is really weird. Um, but I wa- I started watching and like 10 minutes in, I was like, Oh God, I just, I just love this show. I was like so happy. <laughs> I just love all the characters. I'm like, I'm like, why do I always go to like the wire or Mad Men or whatever? When, when, um, when like this show to me, this show is 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 up there for me. Like it's it's right there. Um, and maybe the maybe one of the reasons I didn't even I don't put it up there is is really just it didn't quite get the chance at closure that kind of this movie affords it to a degree. Um, although it's like you know. I was gonna say this is not exactly. I was we again we had a little bit of whiskey when I'm during my first viewing, but I was like, wait, this is the end of the movie? Like that's it? Yeah, that's yeah, a, that's yeah, how it's going out? Yeah. Not expected. But but uh, as you sort of said, expected given the way the show operated, the way it did not really follow the, tr- the not only the traditional beats of a western, but in a lot of ways the traditional beats of a popular beloved show. Like it does sort of stand on its own. The Wire might be the closest parallel, just in terms of scope yeah. of approach and amount of characters and reliance on dialogue. But in terms of bending a genre to a certain extent and really pushing the boundaries of, of what one TV show could hold, I think Deadwood, at least in terms of dialogue and depth of character, is probably number one in that regard. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, it I, might be. It's my favorite show ever. So I will say uh, I'm going to heap praise on this throughout just because I, uh, it, for me, it's number one with a bullet. So I, I, yeah, I mean, I. <laughs> I can't disagree. I don't, I don't, I guess what I'm, I guess I was saying is like, I'm struggling with why I had compartmentalized it. Like, I feel like I was wounded by its departure, you know what I mean? Or like, and I didn't even watch it when it was really on. I just like, I watched it later and then, but I, yeah, I feel like I was like wounded by its departure because I just loved it so fucking much um yeah let's get some curses and, in there if we're gonna go yeah, explicit we might as well yeah yeah and i just and so to have it back was like like I, I i guess i didn't really have any expectations going in also for that reason because i just like i wasn't gonna treat this as like a real thing until until like i was watching it like i just <laughs> feel like the rug was gonna be pulled out from under me you know at some point um That was a common thread I noticed in a lot of the reviews I read, because I think it is the kind of show that it appeals to a lot of people. Like, I know a wide variety of people that enjoy to love this show, but I think the people, it definitely is a critical darling, because I think if you're a critic, you like to write, you like words. Like, Deadwood is the, I think, the ultimate word show, like, it is the ultimate dialogue show. So I think, for that matter, it is beloved by a lot of critics and but a lot of the the general consensus i read in in recapping the movie is no one 
one really thought it was real until it opened and they showed Calamity Jane riding her horse drunk yeah. and everyone was like, Holy fuck, this is this is real. Like no one there's no yeah. trick. There's no yeah. joke. It's just there's just a nice movie here for yeah. us. Yeah, when we and we I texted you about it, but like the the like the moment that the theme music kicked in too. It was right after when she sort of like starts to ride her horse into town. That was when I was like, "Oh fuck yeah!" I was like, yeah, this, is... <laughs> "This great <laughs> theme is back, and all our yes. characters are about to be back, yeah, and it's yeah. just such a treat." Yeah, yeah. And think that one of that's one of the best things is actually I I, uh, I like to listen to score like scores, and the Deadwood has never actually had like a soundtrack on Spotify or anything like that. Um, but the movie actually got it onto Spotify, so you can like go and listen to it. And so wow, like now, that's a ever fun since tip. then, I feel like I every day maybe I need to wake up to the Deadwood. <laughs> I might just buy it when we're done this conversation. Why not? Like, what else am I pissing my money away on? I might as well have more Deadwood. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I will say from a, you know, our own amateur critic standpoint, it's it's a tough movie to separate and, and break down and critique because – and it was it wasn't one of those fan service hour and a half where no. you just get a bunch of characters but it does take pains to give every character something mm-hmm. to do even the littlest amount aw merrick jeffrey jones is in two scenes you know has maybe you know mm-hmm. 20 words of dialogue most of them mm-hmm. are being an auctioneer but mm-hmm. i was happy to see merrick there and eb farm gets one little monologue but i was happy that he got the monologue so it's hard to you know think about the movie as a solo entity when also you love it and also when you when to a certain extent they are they are trying they're trying to tell a story they're trying to bring characters back they're they're trying to paint a little picture for you of what the camp is like now but the i, I just couldn't say i found it hard to separate from just being happy seeing these actors all together at the same time improbably revisiting these characters like that made it tough yeah and i well i think like one of the things that's so 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 great about the tv show is you're right that it's dialogue driven but it's also intensely character driven um and so in the context of like i think the seasons were like 10 or 12 episodes each 12 i think there were 12 episodes one of the things that i thought i think was so great looking back on that show is that like honestly and actually when i started watching it i was like you know, the first few episodes, you're like, is anything going to ever like really happen? You know, <laughs> like, but it's, it's so you get sucked in and it, and it, it does, it truly meanders. Right. Like, and then, and then all of a sudden you get to like episode seven or eight and it feels like everything's set off, but really what's happening is like all these threads that seem disparate are like starting to come together. Right. And there's just not, I mean, that's the limitation of a movie, right? Like, you know, there's just not with, with this expansive of a cast um, and, and, and the number of characters that you care about, like you just can't, you can't do that in two hours. I mean, in terms of like, this is just like a long Deadwood episode that felt felt like a greatest hits clip show in some, some ways. Um, I, in I the not, best way possible, in yeah, like yeah. you know, in in a yeah, praiseworthy but, way. But yes, part of it is definitely that there, there's that there's that that resonates for sure. Yeah, yeah. And so like, but it, and it's just I guess what I'm doing is just recognizing the sort of limitations of, of a movie versus what the show was. Um, I think forced to to follow some sort of plot, though, as you said, even the movie does not take 
too many pains to emphasize that, and it doesn't even, like, as we hinted at, it doesn't provide the typical closure you'd expect from a movie, like, you know, a, a narrative-based movie at least, but but it's certainly to, it has to tell some sort of story. And one thing that was great about the TV show, like you said, characters, dialogue, and also some episodes would be, like, would feel like a real-time hour, and some episodes would feel like, take the pan over, like, three weeks, and it didn't really matter. Like, there's something about the way the story was told on the show that you never stop to really think about the passage of time in the movie you can't help but think wow she Trixie had a baby and then she got married like things happen in rapid succession yeah. and I feel like it sort of strains credulity to a little bit where you can't help but go wow they're packing a lot into this you know they're really this is a full 90 minutes of, of movie right here yeah, and I, I got to the end, and I was just like, oh, can we just do, like, 11 more episodes? <laughs> like, 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 in terms of, like, this was a very middling Deadwood episode. Uh, really, yes. in, in terms of, like, superlatives, it is certainly the longest Deadwood episode I've seen. But uh, other than that, I don't know that it, like, it deserves a lot of, uh, oh, yeah, I, it, it, I don't know. Like, it's it's it is really hard to, like, sort of truly critically evaluate this um you know i mean and i don't know if we want to get into this at this point but you know there uh, the news did come out that david milch who was the writer and creator of the show has alzheimer's right and so yeah. like um you know this really was probably this is it for this show um or this 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 set of characters and and the movie. main character dies at the end. right well yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, i don't yes. would not want to watch as much as i would love to see more deadwood i don't want to see any al swearingen less deadwood so yeah 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 i wouldn't be quite the same with like his his uh like doherty and the other guy like yeah. running the running the saloon. <laughs> yeah. i feel like I feel like the Gem Saloon is in for some hard times now. Um, <laughs> well, they're going to turn it into a dance hall, so it's going to be That's okay, true. you know. Yeah. They're going to get a little more, yeah. uh, a little more modern, a little more, a little less dark. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, but, so, I, I mean, that, from a, if if you want to evaluate it sort of critically, I, I did think that was sort of the, um, the, uh, if I was going to talk seriously about what I really liked about the movie, I would, I would hone in on, you know. The, this it, it's interesting that there, it's a there was a meta thread running through the whole film which is like time has passed i noticed that like the railroad was so much more prominent like in early on in the show which to me was like the march of time and then you look at these characters and i don't know if you had the same impression steve i felt really fucking old um like looking at all these people <laughs> 10 years plus on and i was like oh my god everyone looks so old like Doc looks so old. I mean, everyone looked old, but Charlie like, Otter looked extremely. Charlie old. Otter looked old. Um, just like, yeah, uh, Jewel looked really old. Yep. <laughs> like, like it was just like, but uh, I think it it wasn't depressing. It just it it the uh, the show the the movie I think was trying to in some ways just make peace with that passage of time, right right down to the to to the to the demise of Al, Al Swearingen at the end. Um, there was an inevitability so I, to it all, which I think, yeah. that, you know, Deadwood's never been... Um, there's been really sad moments. Very important characters have died, like, but 
there is there's a sense that everyone in on the show, whether it's because of the time they lived in or just the general uh, tone of what they're creating, everybody sort of does the best with what they have. Like yep. nobody, people people have dark periods. People get drunk. People get addicted to drugs. People make bad decisions. But they 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 are constantly working to build whatever they can from the people around them. And I think that is a very uplifting element of the show. That I think really in season two it, it hits on that. Like that season one, as I remember, and I'm actually rewatching it now as well. Season one is a lot of, like you said, setting the pieces, establishing mm-hmm. the characters, and sort of just uh, making the camp feel like a vibrant place. And then seasons yeah. two and three are about setting up villains in their fronts and forcing these characters together for mutually beneficial reasons. And though they're facing these evils, you know, literal, at one time, literal serial killers that at one time is one of the most powerful men in the world, it's it just shows, like, what human beings can do when they see the value in coming together. And I think the movie in in, 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 in some ways retreads that ground, mm-hmm. like George Hurst being a bad guy again, essentially doing mm-hmm. a different version of what he was already doing before, a beloved character being killed. Like, it does, it doesn't, you know, break new ground in that regard, but it's still, but it, but it, it is very consistent with what the show was trying to say and it feels like they just wanted to hammer that point home even more while as you said adding in the past of time element which i think really allowed a lot of those great characters to to evolve and then you get a new version of them you get a new version of seth bulk you get a new version of calamity jane which i felt like was so true to what actually might have happened to them over the course of 10 years like i was so impressed that they were able to recapture with some of these actors and the characters they're playing to to logically place them in a new you know, future time and have it all feel very natural and very organic. I think that's hard to do. And I think they did a great job. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Uh, I Trixie would be the other one I call out as like, she, she's still living with that past, but it's, she's a different, you know, and she's still foul mouth, which is great. Like some <laughs> of the, the things she was saying to uh, Saul were just fantastic. But, um, uh, uh, you know, I thought she, that was another example of, of that, of like a character who has moved on in her life, but is still living with the past felt true to them. Um, I, I just, I would call out Gerald, uh, McGraney as, as like, I just, I was really actually quite pleased to have him back as a villain. Like I, the minute I saw him, it just like, it, it bubbled up all these, like, <laughs> I, th- I just thought I just thought he was a gr- thought he was a great villain in the in the show and a great and he's like a great he I thought it was I thought it was a great choice to to bring him back. Um, well, I'll say what I love about him too is so the the other characters like I think Seth has matured, Calamity Jane has matured, Al is real sick. Like they all these Gerald McGraney and, and, and who is an, who is uh, George Hurst in season three is one of the greatest characters in TV history. I think. And I, what yeah. I like about Gerald McGraney, I didn't even realize this until we started talking right now. He comes back and he is the same person. Like yeah. he, he yeah. sounds the same, he acts the same, he looks pretty much the same. Like he has not changed one bit. Like he's he's got mm-hmm. he's down you know working on telephone poles and not so much gold mines. But other than that, he is the same person. And, like, I think that is great because it's, like, why would a guy like that feel the need to change at all? Like, everything he's been doing has worked out great. Like, why, you know? Stubbornly, he sees no reason to change, which I think there is, you know, as the – as the rich old angry shitty man, there's some parallels to modern day there as well. Like, absolutely. Why absolutely. would it, why would a boss like well, that feel the need to to adapt to the times? He is the times. He decides what well, what, what is around him. Well, I, I think the parallel goes right through to the people in the town beating the shit out of him too, and like the <laughs> the, the the anger at that sort of power, right? That that is that it that did that moment I wrote down in my notes like that moment particularly felt very 
of now, you know, yep. like the idea that people want to smash power with sort of a brick. But even a... then, you still can't, you know, it's depressing in a way because you get your licks in and it feels good yep. momentarily. But yep. and, the, and the movie ends, which we were sort of were talking about, the movie ends with George Hurst being in, in jail again, which is, yep. you know, in, in some ways is a cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. But obviously, A, we're not getting any more. So it's not so it's not regardless. And B, you know what's going to happen. He's going to get out because he always right. gets out like it's just inevitable. He'll hold him for a night. Everyone gets their little win and the big bad rich guy gets the wins the war in the end like that's just sort of the way it always goes and and it's well, depressing but it it doesn't it's depressing in some ways but it doesn't limit the you know that Seth has Seth goes home to his wife at the end Seth is and Seth is a mature yeah. happy person he, he did a thing it's not going to hold up but he is in a better place now and he doesn't have to define himself by the win or a loss in this particular moment yeah, he's definitely get George Hurst is definitely getting out by the way because he has to go. <laughs> he has to go sire William Randolph first, I believe. There you so. go. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> if he hasn't already, um, which then the, you know, Citizen Kane. I mean, I'm, unless they're proposing a, an alternate timeline where no Citizen Kane exists, uh, I don't know. Unlikely. But yeah, maybe. unlikely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh. So, Andrew, is there anything else that's <sighs> out to you? as worth noting i was a little sad we didn't get well so one of the things i read you know knowing the backstory a little bit molly parker was busy filming something else and they can only get her for a little while so she's Uh, there in some of the big group scenes and she has one or two scenes with bullock and that's really it and that that could be limiting because she was such an important character in the show but i think the way they used her was great because she is not part of the camp anymore she is visiting and it gives her moment like and the whole story with seth with timothy oliphant in the movie is Seth has moved on and there's still lingering looks and there's still, he obviously still has pangs of love for her, but he's got kids that he's got a wife and he's got a job. And like, he just doesn't have the capacity for this anymore, the time for this. So I think the fact that they had her so sparingly and used her so appropriately is great. Like it's one of those not happy accidents, but it's working with what you have and emphasizing why that is, you know, making sort of feeding that into the story and making it even better. The, the sparseness of her played into the whole point. That's, that's where it, Seth is at this time. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, 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 I thought they used her very effectively. I didn't know that uh, little tidbit, but it, it makes a lot of sense. I, I, uh, I guess, like for me, there were like, there. Well, there was one character I just wanted more of, which was E.B. Farnham. I, I understand that he's kind of like a. <laughs> he's not. A, a lot of the time, he's not really a, a plot mover, you know. Like, <laughs> like, like, and so in that sense, but like him waiting in line for a telephone was was uh, you know probably one of my favorite <laughs> moments. I I guess like the 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 thing that like stuck out to me, and I'm glad you brought up Alma was like actually I thought I wrote down in my notes like she was there for the auction scene when Charlie Utter's you know property is being being auctioned off, and I just wrote down like. One of the great things about Deadwood is that it can make anything seem like the most fucking exciting thing in the world. And like an auction um, is not what I would call like thrilling to you. But there I was like sitting on the on the edge of my seat um, for that. And then, you know, the other thing for me is just like there are so many great lines as like this is like the ultimate it's like the Casablanca of TV shows. Like every every line is a great line. But the one I wrote down that I love the most 
was I believe Al, Al asked this to um, to Seth Bullock, which is you ever think of not going straight at a thing? I just thought that was like the greatest <laughs> and a great little pause afterwards. Like, yeah, I mean that was like to me like the great that was I mean of all I mean of all the lines that was the one that's that stuck with me the the most. Um, you know, maybe I'll use it with a stubborn kid down the line. You ever think <laughs> of not going straight, I think. But, yeah, I don't know. It's just, like, there's so much so great. You just wanted a little bit more um, or a lot more, really. Um, uh, and, you know, I don't I don't know. It's it, like we're not really being obje- – we're not sitting here even pretending we're going to be objective about this. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think it was – the greatest moment in the grand scheme of Deadwood, um, this two hours wasn't the greatest moment, but, uh, you know, what treasure anyway. <laughs> yeah. And even like the characters that are sort of shoehorned in, which we've sort of talked about, but Joni Stubbs, for example, yeah. Joni Stubbs is relevant because she's Calamity Jane's sometimes love interest. And it does sort of her not being in good, in a good place gives Jane something to sort of work on throughout the movie. But yeah. even then, if, even if Joni Stubbs, Kim Dickens does not have a ton to do, she has one of the best lines in the entire movie where Calamity Jane comes back and is sort of disappointed to see Joni being a whore with all these other ladies and cavorting mm-hmm. around and all that kind of stuff. And Joni's just, I don't know the exact line. I should have wrote it down, but it's something along the lines of girl walks away from the table, thinks the game stops when she leaves. And yeah, yeah. I just love that. Cause that's what Jane was like. I'm back. And, and Joni, He's like, oh, cool. You've been gone for X amount of years. Mm-hmm. I'm not just sitting around pining over you. Like, if you go, I'm going to do my thing. And I just think that is that was a great sort of, you know, uh, moment to sort of, again, the, the, the time passing is is the characters they, they they david milch took pains clearly to give every something happened to everyone while they were gone like mm-hmm. it didn't always have to be big and bombastic it didn't have to alter their life in a huge way but everyone has changed a little bit and i think that's so perfect for a, a show and now a movie with so many characters such a wide cast the fact that he gave everybody a little bit of something to do a little bit of different a little tweak like there clearly was so much care put into this and again it did he do a perfect job no could any it, did he do as good a job as we could probably ask of him? Yeah, like I just don't know. You know, all my critiques are feel self-serving and and irrelevant in the broad scheme of things because yeah. it just it, it it works so well in some ways. And at this point in this era, again, of revivals and reboots and all that, like just just putting some care and thought into it and having the creator get one last chance to tell this chunk of story is really satisfying. Yeah, it's interesting too. Like, I just, I don't know. I've been thinking this, and and maybe this is just me, and I have small kids, and so I don't really watch as much TV now. Um, I don't watch as much anything now. Um, I have to sleep at some point. <laughs> um, but like, I am really starting to coalesce around the idea. Like, there there is this this thing out in the ether that we are in the golden age of television, right? Um, and I certainly wouldn't argue with anyone who was like, there's more good, like high quality television or episodic, you know, if we are going to call Netflix television, episodic visual, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I can't think of a better word for it. So. You, you know what I'm saying? It's content. Uh, it's content. Yeah, yeah, it's content. Yeah. Hashtag content. Um, <laughs> there's more, I, there's certainly more of it, but like to me, like, and, and maybe I'm being a crotchety old man. I don't know. You tell me, Steve. But, like, to me, I look back on, like, this show and the, I think The Sopranos were was probably airing contemporaneously or just yes, about there. Um, and then The Wire and then, you know, into Breaking Bad and Mad Men. Like, 
I kind of like I kind of watched this, and I, one of the other things I came away with was like, I don't know, maybe like the golden age of TV actually is past a little bit. I, that may be a controversial statement to make, but like for me, like I haven't seen anything that even approaches like those, those that set of shows in in quite some time. I just look back on that like 2006 to 2014 era really is more of like the 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 really the truly great well and, and it's i guess it's also how you judge it right like to me there certainly wasn't nearly as much but the top stuff was like the best stuff and remains the best stuff in my head <clears throat> and there was like you mean you're always gonna remember what comes first and like you yeah. just gave those five shows you just named are broadly regarded as probably the best ever yeah. and it's become quantity over quality to a certain extent yeah. like netflix is trying to make something for everybody hulu is too the the channel the networks are hanging on by not a thread but they're certainly feeling their irrelevance probably on a daily basis so this just i just feel like there's not as much room to be creative like yeah. there's not as much i i doubt they're willing to take though though they're taking i, I feel like though they're making more things they're not they're not taking chances like you would on Deadwood. Like, think about how aggressively mm. ambitious deadwood was like huge casts costume set like the fact that david milch was a crazy person who would rewrite on the fly like that's yeah. unbelievable like that's that they would never give a dude like that all of this again like yeah. it's just, i just feel like that would just be like no why would we do that and we can make six you know 25 minute uh sitcoms with all these different voices and that's great like i'm i'm really happy that everybody gets to make their show now like i think that's really cool in its own way but i think if you're looking to make something indelible something that can't be replicated something truly unique i don't know if we're getting a ton of those at this point and i don't know what even changes in that regard that just might be sort of the way it is yeah well i the one thing i would throw in there is like you know we bring up we're, we're kind of circling around netflix at this point and like netflix has got the algorithm man like and I, like it's not you know we've joked in the past on this podcast that like netflix writes the shows um <laughs> it's not quite like that <laughs> but it does certainly inform uh, what gets made, right? And so, and, and and so, I mean, we've from like House of Cards, you know, the fact that they found something in there that like people liked, um, what Kevin Spacey and political dramas. There was a lot of overlap there, and they were like, well, let's make a political drama with Kevin Spacey, um, which isn't really creativity, right? It's not like it's not uh, no, or not in the same way. Um, and then now it's like let's make. 10 or 15 romantic comedies and like literally literally throw that shit against the wall and see what sticks. Um, like there's no way the Netflix algorithm is like spitting out <laughs> like Shakespearean David, Western with let's starring also starring uh, Timothy Oliphant. Yeah, let's let crazy person David Milch make a Western. <laughs> uh, like they're just not happening, you know? So like there is uh there, there is a part of it that I think that I think you're, you're, you're hitting on there. That's right. That like um, there is, there is a, there is a, the, the technology feels a little bit of like a, in some ways a constraint right like it's 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 empowering a lot of different things to get made but it feels like the things that get made have to be um not always have to be i don't know like roma would be an example of like they just gave alfonso Cuaron a bunch of like you know 
money to do it but like because they wanted prestige like they wanted the big movie and that's ultimately great like you and i were talking about marty scorsese before this and how they're giving him even more money to make the irishman and i thank god like i don't know that if that movie couldn't get made anywhere else for the money they're giving him but at the same time it is to fulfill a need it is not you know though i'm sure marty sat down and sold it to him and he's martin scorsese so they're gonna let him ultimately do whatever he wants if he wants to make something for netflix but it is not you know like you said there is very few things are going to come truly out of nowhere and be indelible. Like most things are going to come out and fulfill a specific need. We need, we need more X because we have this many subscribers of this certain type and we, they seem to like this. So make more of this. And mm. again, there's, there's a lot of good there too, because I do want, I do want stories to be told that have not been told before for certain audiences that are yeah. not dead. Deadwood is admittedly a bunch of white dudes and, and girls like, you know, like well, from Samuel, the wait, Samuel's in there. Hold Samuel on. Fields is there too. That's true. But even Hostetler's <laughs> gone now. So it's yeah. like, like the amount of people of color in Deadwood. There weren't even any Native Americans in this one. So was a lot. Wait, what about Wu? No, that's true. Wu's there too. Yes, yeah. that's true. Wu is yeah. actually Hawaiian. The actor who plays Wu is Hawaiian in real life. So he's yeah. not even Chinese. So there's <laughs> But regardless, I'm happy that different stories are being told for sure. But I think with that comes a a diversity, meaning a different type of diversity in terms of, you know, let's make a bunch of everything. And that's great too. But it does I just feel like there is not there's just not this commitment to these crazy ideas as much and Deadwood would I didn't think Deadwood just wouldn't exist in this time and place and maybe I'm wrong I, I think we both want to be proved wrong there for sure yeah. we want something to come out of left field that blows us away that we watch four or five times even though it's you know 36 yeah. hours of entertainment but yeah. it just doesn't feel like that's how the business is working right now yeah no no well we'll just treasure Deadwood while we've got it here I guess so and like you said we can always the beauty of this age is we can always go back and rewatch it i feel like it's due i'm due for a rewatch now i'm maybe i'm inspired by you in this movie being around so <laughs> i truly thought when it was over because so we i watched this movie on friday when it aired right when it aired and then i watched it again on sunday with my friend chris foran who we wanted to have on to talk about it he loves deadwood maybe we'll do some sort of retrospective thing with him at some point but regardless when it was over we went i'm, I'm in the middle of a rewatch and we leapt to a season one episode of dead and watched that right after the movie and mm-hmm. i remember thinking i could rewatch this show on a loop like arguably my entire life like yeah if i space yeah. it out enough like i'm not saying like back to back exactly but once yeah. a year i could rewatch deadwood and i think get a incredible amount of enjoy enjoyment from it and there's not many other shows if any other shows that i would say that about so that's my yeah. own personal opinion i'm not saying it's perfect but i think what it if, if you like what it does it does it better than any other show that's ever existed yeah agree and then there's a movie and the movie's pretty good too so yeah yeah well, like that, this see is, the movie i've uncompartmentalized it I've, I've i've the repressed memories of this show that i love have flooded back and uh <laughs> uh now now i yeah now i get to now i get to enjoy it all over again i guess <clears throat> Well, if we, we're opening up the In Real Deep podcast a little bit moving forward. So if we ever want to talk Deadwood again, I think, you know, I think we're allowed to do that now. So, Well, ne- next year's rewatch, maybe. Yeah, you know. that's true. <laughs> yeah, we'll do it. In 2020, yeah. we'll come back yeah. to this for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, that about does it for this episode of the In Real Deep podcast. But I'm excited to say there's going to be a lot more coming. We are, as I said, we're sort of changing the focus a little bit. We are looking to put out a podcast a week starting in the summer. The summer is now. And we are really excited to start maybe not doing so many new releases exactly, but using the new releases as a catalyst to watch old movies and talk about them and in the context of full careers and directors and what they've put out their filmographies. So there's going to be a lot of really good stuff coming out now. Subscribe to us. 
go to inrealdeep.com. Andrew did a great new redesign. The site looks fantastic. And there's a lot of really good audio and some written content coming your way from your two best movie friends, Andrew and Steve. And maybe a few special guests thrown in and there. Maybe some special guests. Maybe Al Pacino related in nature. I don't know. Oh, We're going to have to negotiate oh. there. But... Yeah, maybe. <laughs> we'll see. But regardless, lots of good In Real Deep podcasts coming up. So thank you for sticking with us and keep keep on subscribing and downloading because there's a lot more good stuff coming. Andrew, thank you for joining us. It was a pleasure. Go. Uh, maybe don't start the rewatch today, but keep it in the back of your minds. And when yeah. you get some free time, give it a shot. We'll do, and in the meantime, I'll, I'll keep working on tinkering with our new site. And I hope yeah. you, I hope everyone enjoys the the new logo, especially. <laughs> it's real, this is the new logo is debuting with this episode. Andrew may has the had the best logo idea ever. It really sums up, I think, where we're going with the site moving forward, and it's the best. So thank you for that as well, Andrew. That's oh, sure. it's a beautiful treat. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, thank you all for listening, and we'll be seeing you further on up the road. Adios. Thank you.